this has been trending down for quite some time. The game has lost its appeal at junior and club level, and that's exactly why spectator numbers are down, because the fans that go are junior and club people. It's an obvious correlation. There's absolutely no point doing a survey around the provinces. You know these unions that used to be the lifeblood of the game. This is nationwide. The rugby union, or NZR, as it has now, or used to be made up of representatives from the provinces who brought great awareness and grassroots issues to the table. They've since been replaced by business gurus, strategists, economists, and so-called experts who clearly want a stake in the game, but for the most part, have never really had heart in the game. The saddest thing of the lot, more and more kids don't want to be Richie McCaw or Adi Savia anymore. They want to be Nikola Djokic or LeBron James. And for that reason, they are selling a lot more round balls than oval ones these days. I'll say goodbye even though I'm blue, even though I'm blue, even though I'm blue, darling. I'll say goodbye even though I'm blue, even though I'm blue, even though I'm blue. I never thought you'd break my heart. 908 here on SCNZ and the Brumbies' narrow victory over the Hurricanes last weekend may have been the game of the year so far for Super Rugby, but it also signified another era ending in the capital. Head coach Jason Holland, of course, will join Scott Robertson's All Black staff next year, but one of the franchise's uh, greatest ever, Adi Savia, departs for Japan, and highly respected assistant coach Chris Gibbs is also moving on in life. Uh, Clark Gladelor, of course, the uh, National Sevens coach, will take over from next season. Well, Chris Gibbs has been uh, good enough to join us on the show this morning. Chris, good morning to you. Hey, Smithy. How's things, mate? Yeah, pretty damn good, mate. Sad to see you leaving. Four years at Ospreys, uh, of course, head coaching roles at Waikato, the Wellington Lions, and now four years, of course, at the Hurricanes. And uh, to be perfectly honest, you're only a referee's decision away from still being at work this week. So uh, it must have been yeah, tough to make yeah. that decision. Tough to make that decision. Oh, it was, Smithy. It definitely was, mate. Um yeah, but I think, you know, the reality for me is that, um, you know, we've, my family and I have been doing this away, um, you know, apart for, it's coming up 11 years. So, um, you know, the girls still live in Tiamudu in the Waikato um, and I'm sort of been around the world and down here and stuff like that. And I think, you know, for me, I love, I love footy, um, you know, and I love the rugby and I love the Hurricanes, but... Uh, you know, I just was, for the last 18 months, I've been feeling the draw to get home um, a lot more. So, a tough decision, but, um, you know, one that I'm, I'm pretty happy with. Chris, it's also a very tough decision, I'm sure, because, you know, um, the pathway towards a head coach has become a lot more open um, in this season as well. So, that must have uh, doubled down on, on the decision in some way. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I, I've got to be honest, I, you know, um, looking at that head coaching role and, you know, I think the, the key thing is, is how we keep momentum going, you know, and I was, I was excited by that, you know, um, Alfie's done a great job as the head coach and, um, you know, and I did, you know, look at it uh, back in November and think, oh, all right, well, if things, you know, things pan out for him in the All Black sort of situation, then it could be an opportunity, but... You know, when I looked more and more at it and what the role requires, um, it would mean more time away. Um, and look, I, I, at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, look, it is truly family first, this decision. And, you know, it's it's my immediate family, but it's, you know, my mum and, you know, all of that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah. 
tough decision, but mate, well, I'm, I'm, like I say, I, I'm happy with it. Yeah, well, we've all got to respect that, and um, I echo those thoughts too around uh, family time. You've got to, uh, you've got to respect that as much as you can, Chris. Um, gee, agonising way to finish up, though, wasn't it? So close. Yeah, yeah, and I know. Look, there's been a lot of chat about the last play and Artie scoring the try and all that, but the reality for us is that, mate, we've blown four chances in that game um, to score, and then there's a couple there we could have gone over the line untouched, and you know, you you just can't. You know, you can't look away from that um, and sort of say, right, well, you know, we we deserve to be there. Well, if we're taking those opportunities, we would be there. Um, you know, and it is it is a tough way to go out. There's no doubt about it. Um, and, you know, I know Alfie's talked a little bit around the TMO process in the media and, you know, and the refereeing and stuff like that. But ultimately, we're in control of our own destiny here. And we just, we didn't get it done. And it is heartbreaking. But it's, that's what a sport does, though. It is, it is, um, always winners and losers um, So, okay, mm. as you leave the Hurricanes And it'll be sad, I imagine, after this period of time You've seen a lot of time down in the capital Do you feel the Hurricanes yep. is uh, in good heart as a franchise? Uh, I mean, uh, looking forward, no Artie, life without Artie coming up Are they, they in good shape, the Canes? Yeah, the, the, I think so. Look, I mean, the whole franchise, um, and, and look, it's rugby in general, like, um, there are challenges out there, there's no doubt, you know, um, financially, all of that sort of stuff. But if you actually look at the Canes and look at the squad, um, and as a club, what we're trying to achieve here, you know, they are in good, they are in a good state. And we got, yep, we're losing a lot of leadership. Um, but also, too, there's some young guys that are going to have to step up. And those challenges, I think, always bring the best out in the young guys and, and in the people that are left here to pick up the mantle and look I, I have every faith that this group um, is going to go well and look it might, it might take um, Clark a little bit of time to get his feet under the table and get get the feel of it and it, it, like with all new head coaches it takes time but um, I think you know the guts of the squad is, is really quite strong there's some talented kids here mate so you know, it's just how quickly they can um, blend that and come together and, you know, get Clark's vision um, around how he wants to play and, you know, away they go. I, I have every faith. I know you're, you're a, a pack man as as a whole in, in that regard, but looking forward, who are the, who are these young guys? Who, who are the youngsters that really have impressed you in this your final season going forward? Well, I think... Um, I think well, I think across the board we're pretty good, but there's kids like Caleb Delaney coming through, um, and TK Heldon, you know, some some top loose forwards, you know, you still got Dukes running around out there, um, you know, with his with his experience now and the way he plays the game. Um, but you know, like I've been really impressed with how Whopper has um, has brought the front row guys on, and there's a real steel there. And I think you know, guys like Xavier Numia, um, Tavita Mafaleo. You know, pussy tossy going forward. Those boys are going to, you know, they're going to feature a hell of a lot more for these for this for this team. And you know, I wouldn't be at all surprised if you see them in black jerseys um, at some point. Chris, the rules of the game. Um, you, as you leave the game and take a, a, a spell away from it, uh, are the rules are they fine with you? Uh, could they be tinkered in some other way? Uh, as you look at the game in general now. Look, I think I think there you can always look for improvement, right? Um, I think the challenging thing is the consistency of how these rules are played and and how they're refereed or adjudicated. You know, like like in my time, the 
there's always something that comes up, right, the referee's going to be red hot on this or they're going to really focus on this. And after four or five weeks, that sort of dissipates a little bit and, and then there's another focus. So the, the rules are the game, I think. Um, yeah, they're, they're there for a reason, but it's, it's the consistency, it's the focus points from... You know how the how the referees, how the top dogs want to, want the game to look and play, and I think that's the bit that um, probably needs to have a little look at in terms of consistency. So you know, and the Nets, as a coach, you've got to navigate. Um, you've got to navigate different you know different interpretations from different referees, um, and that's part of the challenge. But uh, when there's massive divide or when there's massive um, differences, that becomes you know a challenge that you don't actually need as a coach. So I think to answer your question, Smitty, there's a few things that I reckon that we probably need to have a look at um, around tackle heights, around all of that stuff. I know it's about safety, but there's also an element of combat in this game. Um, that's what makes it different to others. Um, you know, the mauling side of things, I, I love them all. I'm a Fords guy, so I wouldn't like to see that go. I know Smitty's, you know, he's had a bit of a pop, but um, there's an art to that. And, you know, and I think that that's the sort of stuff I reckon we need to keep cherishing, and that's what makes us different in this game. In terms of uh, the game itself as an entity, you sit upstairs uh, in the glass box and uh, you look out on a stadium which is very easily recognisable in terms of its crowd numbers because of the yellow seats, etc. Has it been a concern uh, over your period of time, and it's been um, quite some time now, uh, the dwindling numbers? Do you, do you guys take notice of that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And look... It's, it's it's easy to look at the, the at Sky Stadium and say oh there's there's not many people in but it's a big stadium and you know we've we've actually been averaging some pretty good numbers um, across it but as a whole over my time you can definitely see that there's a there's a bit of a drop off and I think you know I don't, I don't know the whole answer for it but if you look at the way the games are played um, and I guess the tightness of the contest you know you. Um, there's not a lot of variation in the game. Um, we, we try and do, we try and play the style down here with variation and some different sort of stuff. But if you have a look at it, there's teams in this competition that just want to kick the ball and make contests and scrum set piece, you know, control the game that way. And it's, there's not a lot of, um, well, I shouldn't say there's not a lot, but um, it's been increasing in my vision, in my view, that, um, you know, the game's become a lot more um, about an aerial contest and the kicking and all that sort of stuff. And um, maybe the weather's got a bit to play with that as we go into the finals. But uh, overall, I think it's... Sometimes you look at it and go, shit, it's a bit boring. You do. Um, you do, there's no doubt about that. Uh, OK, let's look at uh, this weekend. Uh, you're in a pretty good uh, space to actually uh, rate these four sides that have gone in. In, in terms of... Um, uh, in terms of uh, these two games this weekend, we've got, of course, uh, the Crusaders-Blues tomorrow night, Chiefs-Brumbies Saturday night. Um, I, I just uh, wonder, uh, of the packs you've coached against, who do you think's probably the best equipped pack to go on and win this from here? Well, I think um, I think the Crusaders have got a challenge on their hands with um, the size of the Blues pack. I know that the Blues had a few injuries and bits and pieces. They are a big, brutal pack, though. Um, uh, so I think when you look at the packs um, at the moment, I'd say um, the Blues might edge the, the Crusaders in that space, just purely based if you looked at the individuals. But as a team and as a unit, I know that they'll be they'll be pretty they'll be pretty pumped and uh, very well coached, and they'll be clear in what they need to do. They've been here so many times before, so 
um, their experience, I think, could come out. Um, I think if you look at the Chiefs and the Brumbies, um, my money's on the Chiefs. Uh, I'm hoping so. I hope that they uh, can put that Brumbies pack to the sword because I think um, they've done pretty well in time, over the time. But, you know, I don't think they're as strong, the Brumbies, as they have been. Um, they've got a pretty deadly maul. Everyone knows that. But the Chiefs are big boys. And the Chiefs get that get those those uh, loose fours like Peter Gus and that in behind you and they play through you, they're pretty hard to stop. So, um, yeah, so I'm picking um, man for man. I think the Blues have got the edge, but I think Crusaders will win that game. Um, And I think the Chiefs will beat beat the Brumbies. Okay, uh, thanks for that, mate. Uh, And all honesty, um, what now? I mean, what are you going to do for the next month or two? Just kick back and, and quality family and think about the future? Have you got something mapped out? Yeah, no, I've got an opportunity that um, I'm really excited about. Um, it's completely away from rugby, um, but it is working um, for a, a company called Automotive Colours. Um, and, you know, there's a massive challenge there for me to learn something different. I haven't, you know, like going back into the workforce. Um, you know, it's been a long time for me um, in that space. So there's some massive challenges there, but some really exciting times ahead too. So over the next month, I'm just going to get home, um, just be around the family, hang out with my brother John for a while, you know, so, and um, just have a bit of fun at home and then uh, start a new job. Chris, that's awesome to hear, mate. It's Louis here. Hey, just before we let you go, I'm just wondering, I mean, you're, you're growing up and going home to Te Aumutu. Do you, do you ever think Mark Clayton will grow up and return to the spiritual home? <laughs> oh, mate, I don't know, but I uh, I hope he doesn't change. He's a champion as a man. And, uh, you know, it's great that we're uh, we're cousins and, you know, we get to kick around a bit too. So uh, looking forward to seeing all that in the crew as well. Maybe uh, hey, maybe Chris. his punting will get better now now that you've got more spare time to to help him do some form. Sorry, Smithy. Uh, hey, um, by the way, where's Jono? What, what's he up to? He's back in TA. Um, he's back in Tiamudu, and um, basically they are just settling the kids down and um, basically looking to set their life up in in Tiamudu and. Um, you know, they're renovating an old villa and putting it on a bit of land, so he's got his hands full doing that, and the kids are playing footy and going to school and stuff, so um, yeah, he's uh, he's looking around for opportunities, I think, but uh, he's pretty he's pretty um, just settling down as his main focus, you know, getting the roots down and going from there, really. Sounds like a, a really good time uh, coming up in uh, Te Awamutu for the Gibbs family as they get back together again after such a great contribution yeah. to rugby. Uh, Chris, uh, thank you very much for your time this morning, but uh, just uh, overall, thanks for always uh, being available and so open uh, to me in particular no. uh, on the sidelines, etc. I've, I've enjoyed working with you, and I wish you and the family all the best going forward, and thanks for, thanks for your time this morning. No, I appreciate it, Smithy, I really do, and uh, you guys go well, and uh, hopefully we cross paths again some point, eh? I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will, Chris. Uh, thank you very much, uh, and uh, have a great day. It's uh, 9.22 here on SENZ. We have live commentary of all the biggest games, the All Blacks, Irish, French, and more, right here. Can we bring the Web Alice Cup home? Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
Well, the boys got lots of texts on uh, the sensitive issue of where rugby's at at the moment and why is it battling and why don't people care about why it's battling or well, it seems that way. Um, and uh, one of them uh, has come through uh, late in the piece uh, from The Breakfast Show. I thought I'd read it out, Paddy, because you're a regular contributor, of course, uh, to our station. If you ask most Super Rugby players, they will say they are in the entertainment industry. There's just no entertainment at the ground. And Christchurch is a huge car park right by, beside the stadium. Get a tailgate-style party happening there. Have food, trucks, band, uh, bands, a Megatron, big screen, BYO, booze, non-playing players walking around, interacting. Uh, would be epic. Paddy, you're not wrong there. I'll tell you what it would, would work too down there is uh, after the game, sit around and have a couple of bevies and a cup of coffee or something and a chin wag about the game. But it's just so damn cold because they play it so late at night uh, that people want to get out, but everyone wants to get out at the same time. So you sit in the traffic for quite some time. It's not the easiest exit stadium uh, down there, Orange Theory. But, of course, uh, that is all going to change, we're told, in four to five years um, in the middle of the city. Uh, some wonderful texts coming through as well on uh, the competition. Uh, batsman Steve Smith, bowler Cummins, Pat Cummins, Aussie to win, 2 1. That's Mike from Dunedin, so he believes Australia should dominate this series. Uh, most runs root, uh, and his, uh, it's his time. Wickets, Morn Alley, well rested and coming in fresh. England by three. Up the old blighty, says Kimberly. What a great uh, text, Kimberly. I uh, wish you all the best for that. All these uh, entries, of course, are going straight into the draw. And at this stage, um, this uh, prize uh, we're, we're going to build up, I, I think it's going to be well in advance of what we've ever given away before here, except perhaps with the uh, temper package all those years ago. But this is going to be a good package, folks, a really good package. And uh, I think it'll be worth winning, and uh, we'll be able to map it out and plot it over the next uh, five to six weeks. Uh, Craig says, Hi, Smithy Ashes competition for me. The highest run scorer will be Travis Head, the best wicket taker, Nathan Lyon. Australia to win 4-1. Boy, that's a pounding, Craig. Um, that's very interesting. Gareth, Joe Root, top run scorer. Pat Cummins, top wicket taker. England to win. Um, another one has come in. Please give us your names as well as uh, if you can, folks, because uh, that makes it uh, even more readily identifiable and we can personalise it more. Most runs, Travis Head. Most wickets, Nathan Lyon. Australia win 3 1. Quite a lot of Australian dominate, dominated uh, texts coming in into the competition. Keep them coming. Uh, double eight to double three. Some uh, really cool text uh, to read out as well. Uh, and we invite your calls after the news here with Araha on 0800 150811. Love to hear from you on this rugby subject uh, for one. That is a huge this, um, investigative uh, report done by uh, Andrew Gordy and, and Paddy Gower, uh, whose uh, both their skills are wonderful in that regard. And uh, I think they've just confirmed what we all suspected for quite some time is that rugby is in um, in stock. It's in stock for numbers. It's in stock for the future. Uh, okay, fine. Top heavy. All Blacks looks good. Super Rugby doesn't look that good. So it's only rare the All Blacks and the Black Ferns um, and the Sevens that are the lifeblood, it seems, at the moment. But that's the upper echelon. These people that are playing can't play forever. Where are the rest of them coming from? Where is the growth coming from? 9.31 here on SENZ. You can catch live commentary of the Ashes First Test tomorrow from 9pm on SCNZ or the SCNZ app.
It's going to be an interesting few months ahead. I know that. It's a results business you're in, ultimately. Well, that's part of your business, too. What would you say to the fan right now? There, there are fans who, who maybe have fallen slightly out of love with the game for one reason or another, who maybe have just felt disconnected as the game has moved far more commercial. What would you say to them? Oh, look, I'm not sure... Um, we, we've certainly looked at opportunities to um, create value across the game. Um, I'm not sure I'd necessarily agree um, that that impacts necessarily, you know, negatively on the participant or the or the fan. You know, we are working really hard, as I said before, to try and put the fan and the participant more at the middle of anything we we do, which is a big shift. I think historically. You know, the sport has relied on, look, we're, we're, we're rugby, we're the national game, you should sort of find a way to support us. Yeah, 100%. And, and we've, we acknowledge um, that we need to change that model. So you talked about um, secondary school rugby before, you know, the, the different law changes there, formats of competitions, um, our, our coaching, our officiating, it's all part of that player experience, which is really important. As it relates to the fan, you know the shape of the game. The dare I say it, that word product uh, in terms of what they want. They they want that to modify and be more entertaining, have more spectacular highlights in it, and and we understand that, and we're trying to move towards that. Um, I think we you know we have worked hard to grow value across the game, but that's simply so we can reinvest into more areas to hopefully grow and foster it um, at all levels. You know we we want to see more kids. Um, boys and girls playing the game at a junior age. We want greater experiences right through our pathway, through to our high performance areas where we want winning teams. So um, we, we think that reinvestment model is, is really important and, and committed to making um, a difference in all those areas as we can. Oh, it'd be nice to see um, more details of the reinvestment model because uh, it's apparent, just uh, reading the article that I read, um, and the result of... Paddy Gower investigation uh, with uh, Andrew Gordy as well uh, being very central to it um, that it's not working it's not because people are not playing the game um, you know people are not getting interested in the game to the extent at uh, grassroots level and club level um, that they should be to guarantee the future of the game uh, that to me is, is the essence and uh, Louis, whilst uh, we wait for the odd call to come in, um, I'm not quite sure I mean, ha how you feel it down there in Christchurch, but I I'm in the provinces, I'm in Hawke's Bay now. I can tell you right here and now that uh, some of the clubs struggle to field, uh, field uh, Colts teams here. Colts teams, uh, they are, to me, they are the signature side of the club because they are the future of the club. You know, you're under 18, uh, you're under 19, you're under 21 type players they are the players who um, the club need. They rest their, their heart and soul on. Uh, they struggle to find them. That, to me, is a telltale sign. Numbers are down um, across uh, most of the uh, junior levels. And at school level, there's only really three or four sides in Hawke's Bay, four schools that field a genuine rugby first 15. And uh, two of them stand out, Hastings and Napier, and the rest are dragging behind in that regard as well. So... Man, um, we see it on a daily basis here. I'm not, I'm not sure about Christchurch. Well, I can tell you just anecdotally, Smithy, it's not the same. And I grew up playing rugby out in the North Canterbury um, 
region in that jurisdiction and it's just not the same it's the sort of club atmosphere and the kind of bustling nature you know it's still good but it's not it's not the same i do note that canterbury rugby are doing quite a cool thing where they're going to play a npc game as the feature out in rangura later on uh this year they're going to play the ellesmere versus north canterbury games in the lead up to that so they're giving country rugby a bit of a run there but i know that at senior level i mean player commitment and, and that's a real easy one to kind of get a barometer on it player commitment you know having a number of senior players to be able to field a really strong div one side in the country it's not where it used to be um on the product side of it i've got so many thoughts but we've got to get some of these callers smithy okay let's get to scott from taranaki scott good morning to you good morning ian um it's something that has been a topic now for for quite a number of years and a number of different administrations have tried to address this issue i just think now with the, I guess, globalism of communication and, and various other things that are, you know, online world, for example, my son wakes up every morning and he turns on YouTube and watches videos of football players playing or he's watching coaching videos of how to become a better football player. Now, he's 10. Now, him and his mates, you mentioned before, they're not growing up to wanting to be the Richie McCaws, and I texted through and said he wants to be the next Messi, the next Robert Lobodonsky. Um, whoever it might be, that's who they dream to be. Now, the round ball codes have taken over in that space with kids at school. Um, fastest growing sport in New Zealand is basketball and volleyball at high school level. Now, both sports are played indoors, of course. And, you know, they have a massive global reach now. Of course, you, you mentioned, you know, they want to be the next uh, joker. They want to be the Currys if they play basketball. Um, the growth of volleyball, I think, is off the back of popular sport, you know, around the world to play as well. So I think rugby here, it's just simplified a little bit, needs to have the NFL model, which is less is more. So I, I think you can get back to that tribalism of how we are in our regions, drop super rugby, try to get a New Zealand, Australia, a domestic competition going, but it involves a Taranaki, it involves a Hawke's Bay sort of thing, and, and try and do that maybe as a look, because I think Super Rugby is a brand, as we try and expand it, we try, all it's doing is thinning out the quality of the product, and we go too long, our season finish starts in late January, finishes in December, we're rugbyed out, I just think the country's done with the sport, to be honest. I think your last statement is the most uh, damning of the lot. Uh, I think in a lot of areas, you are absolutely right, Scott. They're done with the game. They're done with the product. And that is uh, something that um, uh, community rugby, and there I understand there is a community rugby department uh, within New Zealand rugby, that is the most damning comment that they should ever take. People are done with the game. Scott from Taranaki, thanks. I was going to read that text out very shortly, actually, as part of the segment, but you've done it for me. Uh, Robert Lewandowski, of course, here, Lionel Messi, those guys. So thanks very much. Uh, Steve from Auckland. Good morning to you, Steve. Yeah, morning, Smithy. I, um, I cover the Auckland club rugby scene on my own channel. A, a, friend, of, a, friend, and I, a friend and I, I've got to probably say the opening round of Auckland club rugby Across women's under-21s developments, there were 10 defaults on opening day, which is just, for Auckland rugby, is just unheard of. Um, I know that Ponsonby, one of the most famous, to put an under-21 side together, um, you know, even even basically Sabrina Williams was on the social network sort of pleading to put an under-21 side together. It's, it's a real concern when your biggest city in New Zealand is actually struggling to uh, 
for for basically the field the field friendly sides. I I think a lot of the damage is has probably been done with in and around secondary schools, secondary school rugby that's covered. I just suspect that kids now see the kids that are you know they're half good or any good probably probably actually see uh, probably see rugby as a career moving forward. And if you don't crack any sort of academy at a young age, I think a lot of kids just give the game a waste for them. I totally agree, um, and it's. <laughs> Participation, participation, uh, and and I, I like um, your stats there, Stephen. I, I I like them, but I don't like them. Ten defaults in the opening round in Auckland. Uh, that is just the, it's absolutely galling to think of that, isn't it? The, pon- the pony's not able to find uh, an under twenty one side. It is staggering. Uh, look, we're we're going to go to a quick break, and when we come back, more calls. More calls. We're going to try and squeeze you all in. And thanks for your patience, but, but uh, it's an easy subject to get comment on. It really is. If it's happening in New Zealand sport, you'll hear about it on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Is a new team in town. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Radio, let's continue on with the callers. And uh, whilst it's 9.47 New Zealand time uh, in Australia, it's a good deal earlier. And Darren, good morning to you. Hey, Smithy, how are you? Really cool, and thanks for taking the time to call, man. No worries. Um, yeah, I live in Melbourne, and um, yeah, AFL doesn't have any issues getting um, people to the game. That's because AFL is club, isn't it? It's real club, club, club. It's in you. It, it, it is club, but it's family orientated, and it is a simple game that everyone understands. Where, the, where there's no interpretation, you just go and play. And the team that wins is the team that kicks the most goals. It's a very simple game. And so, from that point of view, you just say rugby is way too complicated to to get in on. I think it's like ten different things, and one of them is it's too complicated. I took a mate of mine who's from AFL. We went to the Super Round. And I spent half the game explaining to him what the hell was going on because he had no idea. He just had no clue what was happening. And then there were times when I said, I don't know what's going on right now, <laughs> um, which, which, which is an issue. And one thing I wanted to say to you was Chiefs-Hurricanes first round when they played each other the first time, the lights wouldn't work at um, Westpac Stadium. And all of a sudden there were 20,000 people at the game because it was played at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I I think you make a valid a very valid point there, Darren. Um, you've got to encourage people throughout winter, um, you know, to to spend afternoons there. It's a much more personable time to be a family, and it's as simple as that. I, I and and Darren, that's an excellent point, and uh, I'd love to be able to talk to you for a bit longer. And please call back uh, again at some point. Um, I, I respect your views there, and I I totally do understand about AFL. You can put it on. And it is just so simple to keep the score and understand the rules. And you know, it's not a game without stoppages, but it's a game with through those stoppages they've learned how to make it flow. Uh, Bruce from Christchurch, good morning. Matter here, hi mate. Uh, very evolving uh, and uh, important topic. Um, hey, a couple of callers back said a couple of points. One about saturation, mate. That's we are so rugbyed out. I have got schoolmates and they're 
they've been in Wellington for years, and I contact them every week when there's a super game on. My mate Chris doesn't even care now about super rugby. He used to be hostile, and it used to be real competitive against the Crusaders. Past it. Too complicated. Don't enjoy it. And, and have moved on. Um, to, to increase a market demand, you've, you've got to reduce the supply. That, that's what basic marketing's about. And if you're going to provide something, it's got to be authentic and it's got to be quality product. It's got to be engaging. Family orientated is a big thing. If you can get clubs from a young age, and I was just looking at the Burnside Club here, they've got, they're introducing Ripper Rugby on a Friday night this season. 5 till 6.30, whatever. For four, four, five, six-year-olds, I'll be interested to see how that goes. There's normally a reasonable turnout. If you engage it from there and you build the club up and look after people, it flows through. One other thing, which I think has affected, uh, forget COVID, which has affected uh, teenagers and when you get to 15, 16, is the size factor. My son is 25. I remember when he was 15, 16. He was told, he, he was at a gym at school for a year bulking up for rugby. And he got too big. It was all about size and uh, they had to be big and strong to outmuscle the opponents. He actually gave up rugby because he had three concussions in about two months. Yeah. And more on the city, I, I get but, I get exactly where you're coming from, Bruce, and size is a big factor. Um, the, the fear of injury is a big factor, um, and they, you know, they're just going away to non-contact sports. Uh, basketball, there's contact, but um, non-contact, basically, isn't it? Basketball and, and of course, uh, volleyball. Uh, excellent points, Bruce. Uh, thank you very much. I, I'd like to hear how that uh, Ripper Rugby goes because that is at a very low level. I think we'll take a break now. Um, uh, for those people that called in and didn't quite make it, uh, we respect the fact that you did. Uh, we also respect the fact that you've got um, feelings about a very sensitive subject at the moment in New Zealand. And uh, we'll continue to plug away at it. Don't you worry. 9.52 here on SCNZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, let's uh, get some of these texts uh, out of the way because they're brilliant. Uh, Gary's just come in and said, look, quite simply, Smithy, peripheral stuff like car park parties won't attract anyone if the product on the park is boring. Um, and uh, that is Chris, the coach, Chris Gibbs, uh, conceded that himself as a coach. Uh, Jared, what a great text this is. Smithy, I'm 45 years old and I feel like I've lived through the absolute glory days of rugby in this country. And boy, oh boy, the only thing keeping me interested in it is that it's deeply ingrained in my psyche. Uh, the product, in my opinion, is awful. What the hell has happened? I found myself just watching the game for the sake of watching it as that's now how I've lived my life. So I snapped out of it, got rid of Sky, and just watched the five-minute highlight packages on YouTube the next day. We're talking about how expensive it is to go to games for the family. Well, you could not, and I'm dead serious, pay me to go to a game of rugby. The pedantic stop-start nature of the game is enraging at times. 8,000 different laws refereed with 8,000 different interpretations. If I can't understand what's going on at times, there is no way on earth these kids that are braving the freezing cold going to matches have any idea what's going on. 
Reset scrums, yawn. A three-point penalty goal for a collapsed scrum that a ref has just guessed. A 27-phase advantage that has taken two to three minutes. Ridiculous cardings. Wet, slippery, dewy conditions week in, week out. Garbage. The NRL is just so far ahead in terms of its product. They are not even on the same planet. So much dry day NRL to watch. Large crowd spectacular. People are switching off uh, rugby and droves. There are so many other options. Why go to a game when I can watch three different sports at home at the same time with my cheap food and beverages in the warm? Engaging at the same time with like-minded fans through social media. At the end of the day, boys, I will always have an interest in the Crusaders and the All Blacks. It's deeply ingrained, but I'm sorry. It feels like rugby is that fairy tale that Emperor's new clothes. We all stand there and clap, but are all the really the what the <coughs> but all the really thing uh, w- thinking uh, what the f is this rubbish? Jared, you should send that to rugby union. Is that damn good? You really should. We'll be back shortly with some golf. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Right, we'll uh, turn off rugby for a moment and its problems and uh, focus on some golf, shall we? Because it's major weekend and after everything golf has been through over the last seven days, which feels uh, really like 70 days, the US Open is here for a circuit breaker and ready to take centre stage. The Los Angeles Country Club is the venue. We heard from uh, Golf Dodgers uh, Evan Priest earlier in the week. Uh, saying he thought the track is an unbelievable condition. The course will be fascinating one to see tamed by the pros with its uh, par threes, in particular those very long par threes and the very fast sloping greens. So the job uh, to do for us now as uh, punters and pundits is to try and work out who's going to be there come Monday morning our time at the top of the leaderboard and the best guy we've uh, ever spoken to on the show in that regard is one David Bileski. Of course, uh, he's the man for the job and particularly he's hot because he tipped out the Canadian Open winner Nick Taylor last week at 66 to 1. Good morning to you, David. Pity wouldn't speak to you this time last week. Good morning, Sivy. Yep, good to be um, back with you. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. And um, with an intro like that, I mean, it's no wonder I keep turning up because, um, yeah, I appreciate all, all the kind words. Um, but no, it was, it was a fantastic tournament at the Canadian Open, despite everything um, that was, was going on in the world. You know, it was great to see that storyline come through with um, first Canadian since 1954 winning the um, Canadian Open. And um, what a way to do it with a 72-foot eagle putt on the, the final hole. Absolutely stunning with all those people uh, around the green as well, uh, loyal Canadian fans. It was just, oh, I mean, storybook stuff to be perfectly honest, David. So, which turns our attention to, of course, the US Open. Uh, the Canadian Open has often been a, quite a good form guideline, although a lot of players do tend to dodge it as well. Uh, this time around, uh, this is an interesting one for you to work your way through because this is at the Los Angeles Country Club. Now, it's been 75 years, you know, since the US Open has been contested in Los Angeles. I had no idea. 75 years. In fact, the last time it was contested here uh, at uh, in Los Angeles, Ben Hogan won. Ben Hogan, damn well, won the tournament way back then. So there is no form on this course, David. That's what I'm getting at for you to analyse. 
Yeah, exactly. No, it's a, it's a tricky one. We, I mean, we do get this every so often. We would get a new course pop up on the the rotation that we haven't seen any professional tournaments. I mean, this this course did host a Pac-12 championship, so sort of a college level event, um, and a Jimmy Walker Cup as well. So, uh, sorry, a Walker Cup as well. But um, in regards to those, I think that the course now is just going to play so much different that you can kind of throw out any statistics you glean from those events out the window. It's, it looks to be a very, very difficult test. I'd say compared to other US Opens, the one difference that I noticed with this is that a lot of the, the fairways do appear to be a lot wider than particularly what we'd see at, say, like a Brookline. So it, it looks a lot more open. I think that there's going to be potential for drivers to, to really take advantage here. The rough is going to be the typical US Open stuff. You drop your ball on there and, it, and it's gone and you, you're going to need to be standing right next to it to find it. Um, and then it's going to play extremely firm and extremely fast. So there, there's been a few things I've been able to glean about the course um, studying this week and, and speaking to, to a few people. And um, yeah, I think that it's, it's just going to provide a very, very stern test for all facets of the game. Despite those those fairways being as wide as they are, I think they will be be a little bit narrower than they appear on first sight. There's a lot of slopes, mm-hmm. there's a lot of undulations, there's been a lot of comparisons actually to Augusta National from those on the ground um, in terms of you have to be on the right side of the fairway, otherwise you're going to end up with a blind shot or you're going to end up um, approaching the green from the wrong direction and, and these greens are going to get extremely fast and extremely very, very quickly. So um, LA gets dry, it's humid, there's a little bit of breeze as well and it's hot, so those greens are going to bake out and it's going to be a very, very tough test. It, it, it may be a case of getting around in par is just as, as important as, as securing a few birdies on your card. I was going to say, US Opens are, well, traditionally not one with very big under-par scores. Um, the other interesting factor about this golf course is the five-par threes, David, which means iron accuracy, um, as it is off the fairway anyway, but might be quite paramount as well. Absolutely, yeah. What I, what I would say with a couple of the moment, a couple of the, the, the yardages just catch your eye off the board. You've got the 280-yard um, seventh. That does play to a hole where the entire front of the green is exposed, so almost almost links-like in nature. It's not a true links course, but the, of all the US Opens that I think we'll have, this could be the most links-like in nature. And I think a lot of players will be able to um, sort of drive it up there and allow the ball run onto the green, so it may play a little bit shorter than, than on the book. And the same with the 11th. I mean, it, it, on paper, over 290 yards for a par three looks incredibly intimidating. I mean, that's that's a par four for for you and I, Smithy, but uh, with that, it is quite significantly downhill as well, so there, there's a lot of elevation changes, there's lots of an, uh, undulation. With those five, five path threes, I will point that they're all going to play in different directions to the wind, so if the prevailing southwest wind is um, a factor here, each of those path threes is going to provide a very, very different direction, and then you've got a, a hole that may play as short as 75 yards with an incredibly thin sliver of green um, it's a fascinating um, green shape extremely creative from, from the designer George Thomas and within that that little sliver it's only um, 8 yards from, from front to back and if they pop a flag there and they're going at it with lob wedge coming down the stretch on Sunday that's going to be a, a incredibly um, intimidating shot for whoever's leading or trying to win uh, the US Open this year I, I do think that the par 3 scoring, particularly approaches over 200 yards, will go a long way to determining the winner this week.
Okay, let's uh, look at some of the individuals involved here. And of course, they're all here, live players as well. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick is the defending champion, the Englishman. Uh, if I look at uh, the general betting around uh, the world, I've visited a few websites. It's the Scheffler, Ram, Kepka type show at the top. Yeah, and look, that makes sense. I mean, Scotty Scheffler's just doing insane things with the ball striking at the moment. The approach numbers and driving game is just is is an historic run that that really can only be compared to Tiger Woods in terms of the level that he is exceeding the field in those metrics. However, the putter has gone really, really cold the last sort of ten tournaments or so, and so he's on this historic run. He's now he's now. Um, finished in the top 15 in his last 15 tournaments which has never been down before he surpassed Tiger Woods who previously held that record at 14. The the issue comes that his ball striking is going to keep him in contention. Will he be able to get the putter going? Because so far with this this year we haven't really seen that for the last couple of months. It, it probably still means that he'll be there in contention. I just don't know on a, on a course like the US Open where you're going to need to make an 8 footer to save par and keep your momentum because you are going to miss the fair way you're going to end up in some really tough rough you're going to miss greens you're going to have face very very tough chips and these greens are going to be very hard to hold you're going to have to make some clutch putts down the the stretch and i'm not sure that Sheffler's game in that regards there yet um john rahm's been doing incredible things as well and it's it's really been the the two of them and then brooks keeper and a mate and a major anybody um anybody's guess which brooks keeper turns up but he just seems to be able to flick a switch and and turn up in a major and and perform well which is um absolutely incredible I, i kind of speculate how many pga tours he could have if he actually cared about a regular PGA Tour event as much as he cares about the majors. So um, he's, mm. a, he's a fascinating um, case study. Um, so it, look, it, any of those three obviously have potential to win. They're, they're, they're rightfully hit up the betting market, but I think that there's some interesting options further down the board where you can still find a bit of value um, if you are looking that way. Uh, okay, so um, we just continue on down. Um, do you think Rory's got a major in him or is, is there too much going on around Rory um, with being a spokesman um, sort of being a, you know, a, a flagship uh, that kind of thing the whole time I mean he's still a relatively young man but he seems to be the one they go to now all the time, do you think it's getting to him? I, I think it has over the last 12 months. I mean, as you and I discussed at the at the Masters earlier in the year, we thought that, that potentially he might be able to, to rise the occasion and, and try and challenge some of the live golfers, and it went completely sideways instead. And, and I do think it, it has taken a mental toll on him, and he's kind of alluded to as much over the last couple of months. I, I do wonder with the, the investment from PIF into PGA and sort of the, the start of unifying the, the world tours again, I wonder if that actually takes a bit of pressure off for him. I wonder if that now he goes, okay, well, look, that's now out of my hands. I know as much as anybody else, I don't have to be involved in it and I can actually just play, focus on playing golf again. I, I would say that, that Rory's approach game is a lot better from over 200 yards than what we saw last week at the Canadian Open, which which demanded a lot of weird shots, and that, that may be the one flaw in, in Rory's game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he turns around and he's, he's in the top 10 again. Um, I, I, he may come out with a, a point to prove after, as you said, being trotted out over the last 12 months to defend the PGA Tour, and then they kind of go behind his back and, and sign with um, the, the PIF fund anyway. Do you see, David, the possibility of someone winning their first major here or someone winning their first major for a long time? Yes. 
Yep, I, I absolutely do. I think this is a kind of course where, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give you two names that are there are a couple of my favourites, and you'll probably wince at both of them, uh, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele. So Patrick Cantlay um, is a product of UCLA. It's literally five minutes drive right next to LA Country Club. So he's had the opportunity to play this course more than a dozen times, far more than any other professional golfer who's playing this week. He's had the opportunity to, to get used to these greens, to see the layout of this course and, and get used to it over time. He, he's obviously had difficulties in majors previously. However, he's on a run of um, finishing in the top 14 or better in his last four majors. He's switched... Um, iron providers and equipment providers earlier this year after the end of one of his sponsorship deals and his ball striking has kind of gone through the roof after that because he's been able to play the equipment that he wants so I think that he's a really interesting option someone like Xander Schauffele as well I, I see some sort of, sort of parallels to the Renaissance Club over at, in Scotland which hosted the Scottish Open last year winning score there was minus 7 I think that's fully within the realms of possibility this week and it feels like Xander if he is going to win a major it has to be a situation like this where the course is going to play so tough that you can almost fall into victory and suddenly you're, you're winning the, the US Open. I, I've never seen Xander as someone who's going to go out in the first round, shoot seven under and then win wire to wire. It's kind of like he needs to stumble into these victories and not put the pressure on himself. Um, and he's obviously a California guy as well, going for Stanford um, just up the road there. Ryan Fox, of course, uh, in the event as well, um, and uh, he's been very creditable in his um, PGA and uh, US tournament performances so far in terms of uh, top 25s, top 30s, etc. Uh, can he go closer this time? I hope so. Look, I, I had the privilege of, of interviewing um, Foxy a couple of weeks ago, and so you can find that interview on my, my Twitter page um, at Deep Dive Golf or on YouTube at Wind Daily Sports. And it was, it was a real pl- pleasure to speak with him. We spoke for about 20 minutes. And um, I did, did sort of ask him, not, not actually in regards to the US Open, but in regards to the Open Championship. I said, look, you know, you, you won the Alfred Dunhill Links, one of the most prestigious tournaments on the DP World Tour. Um, he's played very well at the Open Championship before. And I asked, you know, what sort of suits his, his game in terms of the length style and, and his answer was really intriguing because he said I, I really like these courses where I know that it's going to be tough because I don't feel I need to go out there and birdie every hole and I think that's exactly what he's going to find this week at the US Open and and adding to that it's also a US Open that I think is going to play somewhat links like you're going to have to be very creative he spoke about that in our interview as well he's obviously got plenty of distance off the tee that's no problem for Ryan Fox whatsoever um, so I think that he's he's a sneaky dark horse I really think that Ryan Fox could be in contention here I, I love him for a top 40 if you can see um, those options out there I know with the TAB they had him at the top um, for a top 20 um, at $6.50 and I think that's, that's really great value because he's he's already done it in PGA Championships he's finished 23rd at the PGA Championship and 26th in Masters he's, he's playing at a phenomenal level and I think he could, could sneak his way to the top of the leaderboard and I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever and I hope he does Who's your smoky smoky or a possibility of someone really deep coming uh, coming out there, you know, a, 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 a Tony Finau or some, someone of that bracket, maybe an overseas player, not an American? Yeah, I think Tony Finau's got a got a good shout. Um, his his approach play over 200 yards is really the strength of Tony Finau's game. We saw that at the Mexico Open where he won, Memorial Park where he won as well. Both courses where over 200 yards is extremely important. Uh, he, he has won in weaker fields, and that would probably be the, the thing that people raise, but he's got a very, very good 
um, record at Augusta National as well. So if we're drawing any parallels of this course to Augusta, um, he's got correlated form there. I, I do think that that it does come from the the sort of top of the board. I think Wyndham Clark's on an incredible incredible run, different ranking sites rank him 13th in the world and he's kind of priced far, far down the board um, same with Ricky Fowler, I think Ricky Fowler could could surprise a few people and show up in a major once again we've seen him play very, very well at Augusta as I mentioned, he's on a very good run of um, top 15s Someone like Justin Rose as well, who's got an incredible short game, he's on a very good run one at Pebble Beach earlier this year and then in terms of anyone sort of like far, far down the board um, I think that if you're you're starting to compromise one side of the game, you're better to compromise driving distance. Uh, sorry, driving accuracy over driving distance. So maybe even someone like Sepp Straker, who can get very very hot, his his approach game is really tuned. And the last few rounds, and and he drives it long enough to to get the job done. So there's a few guys out there that I think that you can um, plug in, but. This week I've actually released my article free of charge in celebration of our 66 to 1 um, win last week. So you can just jump onto oh, Twitter oh. at Deep Dive Golf. Go have a read of my article. Um, I've got six <laughs> headline sh- tips in there and a few bonds in there. So um, fill your guts. I absolutely do, and I absolutely will, um, because I, I regard you, because of the, I mean, we're just hearing the amount of research you do on, uh, on people's individual skills within their own game was it's so it's so deep dive. It is so deep dive. It's exceptionally exceptionally well named. Cut like what? What do you reckon the cut number and the winning number might be? Uh, we we're looking at red figures for either. Uh, no, I think that the cut will likely be over par. I think that anything under par is going to be very very good this week. I think the winning score will be somewhere between minus six to minus nine. That's really contingent of what they do with these greens because it's going to be pretty calm in the mornings and then in the afternoons it looks like the winds are going to be thinking up between 20 to 25 miles per hour. So those sort of gusty conditions with humidity, with the warmth, they're, they're going to crisp up. And I, I think, I mean, the rumour on the driving range is that they're going to have to water the greens um, between the morning and the afternoon because otherwise it's just going to get so out of hand. If they don't do that, then, then um, you know, winning score at plus one might even happen. So. I, look, I think I think it's going to be a single-digit winner, probably under par. I think you'll maybe only see a dozen guys get under par. And, uh, yeah, I think the, the cut line will be slightly over par, maybe plus two, plus three. Absolutely brilliant. David Valeski, you are uh, uh, the guru, I, I regard anyway. At Deep Dive Golf, folks, go there and go there and get onto some of this information because it's absolutely superb. Uh, I don't think I've uh, known a guy who's researched golf, golf as deeply as, as you do, David. Congratulations on that. 66 to 1. Man, uh, that's going to keep a, a lot of people in beer for a long time. Cheers, buddy. Uh, enjoy the next uh, three to four days, and uh, let's hope uh, you cash in on it as well as we might be able to as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's another year, and, and good luck to Foxy as well. Hope it goes well. Yep, cheers. Uh, David Valeski there. Um, his thoughts. On some likely contenders, Louis Herman, what I saw you making a lot of notes there, um, and I know, <coughs> I know, uh, it always, uh, it's always uh, adds a little bit of interest to have a dollar or two on it. But you were writing furiously there. <laughs> Just I was actually, and uh, I think he makes some salient points. I, look, one thing I was so curious to hear uh, David's thoughts on was: Are the locals going to get an advantage? 
who's played this course? Because one thing we've heard from Evan and from yourself and from David this week is this course doesn't get dredged up that often. Actually, bugger all, really. It's for the elite of the elite of the California region, Smithy. So hearing the mm-hmm. f- fact that a guy like Patrick Cantlay's played a dozen times, he is the most infuriating player, I think, to watch on tour, but he takes his job very seriously. So top 10, $2.70 for Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele. I'll be having a stab at that. I'll also be going top 30 for Ryan Fox at $3.10. This is all at our TAB. And I'll also be parlaying that. Well, actually, I have an each way sort of go. I'm going to go Ryan Fox top 30, and I'm going to go Ryan Fox top 20 at $5.50. Some great overs bets. And I genuinely believe that Cam Smith can like this, can be a guy that can uh, get finish under par here. So I'm going to be looking at Cam Smith top 10s, top 5s as well. They seem to be confident that his team, he's got his driver working enough and we know what he can do on par 3s and with his irons. He's a bit of a wizard with his irons, Smithy. So I'm playing around those sorts of numbers. Your, your, your Pat, Patrick Cantlay's, Ryan Fox's, Cam Smith's, deep dive golf. How good is that? How good is it? It's damn good. Uh, okay, thanks for that, Louis. Uh, one thing we can... Uh, guarantee is that Jay Monaghan, uh, the PGA commissioner, uh, will not be there. Uh, he's taking a time away from the tour. Coincidentally, he has uh, some medical issues to sort through, apparently, or recover from. Um, so probably uh, the best place uh, for him, too, is to stay away and not attract the attention off the players. So I think it's going to be a really exciting uh, US Open, and we'll, of course, keep you updated uh, with the scores uh, beginning tomorrow morning. And, of course, the conclusion of the tournament we'll have on this show as well on Monday morning. It is uh, now 10.21 here on SENZ. It's Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. We've got the feelers out, actually, for uh, Patrick Gower, actually. We'd love to be able to talk to him, or if we can't get him, maybe even uh, Andrew Gordy a little bit later in the show, because uh, the, the, the article and the, and the program that they've put together investigating have we fallen out of love with rugby in this country, our national game, um, is creating a lot of interest. Um, and it's not really, for us on this show, a new subject at all. I think we've been hinting at um, the demise of club rugby and junior rugby for quite some time. It's now it's just becoming a lot more evident to a, a lot of people who perhaps aren't even involved in club rugby, uh, but just thought it might have been just ticking over okay. Well, it isn't. Uh, Craig has come in. Smithy, I don't think night rugby is the only issue. If games were in the afternoon but uh, nothing else changed, uh, like crowds wouldn't come. It's deeper than that. Look at the Warriors night games. They get a good crowd. So do other sports in other places. Uh, so it's not as simple as scheduling rugby in the afternoon. So much more needs to be done. Uh, John has come in and said, uh, Morning Smithy, I think half the reason why the numbers are dwindling so much in rugby is because of the rules. Uh, Too many rules, too many stoppages, it takes too long. People aren't interested in playing anymore. We're going backwards instead of going forwards. Go back to the old days and play rugby the way it should be played. A ridiculous amount of rules involved in the game today. And the penalty advantage is the worst. John, I concur with you on that penalty advantage. Uh, it It is just so annoying. I mean, who, what is the definition of an advantage? Uh, what is it? Uh, it's it's to, to be better off than the opposition, isn't it? I have an advantage over the opposition, so I'm in better shape than them. Once you've got that advantage, you've gone across the advantage line, um, which is an imaginary line, or you've held onto the ball long enough to be able to take some options, that's it. That's it. Uh, don't ho- hold out the, 
two uh, two minutes down the track, and there have been two to three minute advantages. They just continue to play them, and then they add to that advantage with another advantage. Goodness me, um, Craig is uh, Smithy. I didn't see the Patrick uh, Gower documentary, but I'll have a look on demand when I can. I believe there are multiple issues with rugby. Starting at the top, there needs to be better communication out of New Zealand rugby. Interviews with players need to be more engaging. Get rid of the media training and sterilisation of players and let them have a voice and not the constant cliches. To, to Players also need to be involved with young fans. Get in the schools and the clubs. The rules need to change, especially the advantage rule, particularly near the goal line. This text is a bit all over the place. I'm not half finished with the problems in the game, but it's already long enough, Craig. Uh, we're getting some very, very long texts, and I can promise you that. Uh, Ryan has come in and said, I really enjoyed the sermon this morning. Couldn't agree more. Super Rugby is dead. Uh, rubbish product. It is a cost. It is cost prohibitive. Also, no tribalism. NPC should be top level, should have a super concept like Six Nations at the end of the season to top two from NPC and uh, other uh, other countries, Australia, Japan, that could compete for that title. Uh, get up, my Bay of Plenty steamers, uh, over any super rugby team. Uh, name another professional sport where players are encouraged to sit out regularly. Ridiculous and unsustainable. Rugby union has the most complicated rule book in any sport, and as a result, a stop-start shambles with no flow whatsoever and massive inconsistency with calls in any breakdown situation. By the by, says Ryan, to change the subject for the Ashes, most runs for Travis Head and most wickets for Scott Boland. Can't see how they can leave Boland out. He will be man of the series with the Duke ball at the early stage of the season in England. Wouldn't risk Hazelwood due to health concerns. Australia 3-1 with one drawn test due to rain. Have a great weekend, Ryan, and the same to you. Uh, thanks so much for uh, that very um, <coughs> very good text. It really was. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, so many more to read out throughout the morning, but we have to take a break now because it's 10.30 and it's news time with Aroha. 1476am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Making SENZ news this hour. Police radiant their actions to keep the peace during a gang funeral yesterday were the right ones, with around 100 extra officers shipped into Oborziki for Stephen Thayatini's funeral. Revelations that complaints about the pro-Russian themes in Radio New Zealand stories went back as far as October last year, but it took global news service Reuters to get any action. And at least 79 migrants have drowned and hundreds more are feared dead or missing after their overloaded boat capsized and sank in open seas off Greece. SENZradio.nz Sport next. Download the SENZ app today and listen live or catch up on anything you missed from your favourite show. New Zealander Warren Gatlin reckons if he'd known the full extent of the issues in Welsh rugby, he may not have taken the coaching job. I would have um, gone somewhere else probably. <laughs> <laughs> the Welsh side's problems are both on and off the field, but Gatlin told the Scrum V podcast he reckons he can make a difference moving forward. And no broadcast blackout for the FIFA Women's World Cup, with a deal struck with the European Broadcasting Union to get coverage of the games into France, Italy, Spain, Germany and Britain. More inside 30 on SENZ. Meet the next generation of work boots. Rotoflex by Blunston. Put our innovation to work. Weather brought to you by Crown Forklifts. There's nothing like a new crown. Simply the best. Auckland weather, mainly fine apart from some areas of morning and evening cloud light. Showers developing north, high 14, low 9. You can catch live commentary of the Ashes first test tomorrow from 9pm on SCNZ or the SCNZ app. 
It's Harness Racing New Zealand Pacing for Purpose Season 2. Yes, indeed it is. Live the dream. Get involved in harness racing today at New Zealand Harness Racing. Uh, just visit the website, hrnz.co.nz. Um, we go f- uh, all our shows, in fact, uh, all four of them throughout the day have a charity of our choice to uh, give proceeds to from this Pacing for Purpose. Ours, of course, is Women's Refuge. And uh, they um, are going to benefit at this stage by uh, more than $1,367. Uh, but we uh, want to give them more than that. Uh, so we're going to Addington tomorrow night. Addington Friday, race six, number seven. Franco Sinatra. Franco Sinatra, race six, number seven. Looks a quality animal with three wins from six starts. And this looks well within his range. A nice third behind Sharp as Attack last start. Breakfast is 980. We've got 1367. Afternoon's 1170. And the run home are going pretty well. They've got $1,505. All going to charity. Right, uh, we're going to uh, just uh, take a, a minor break here. And when we come back, uh, Louis Herman Watt's going to take over the segment because it's his love racing, and he's got a special interview as well with a special guest from uh, down south with some good stories to tell. It's coming up soon. In agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Smithy, 22 wow. minutes away from 11. A little bit of energy Ooh. injected on a Thursday. How you feeling? Bit of earthquake. Pumped. Absolutely pumped. That's just fantastic. Right, okay. Uh, let's get into the segment because uh, they are racing today, Louis, uh, on the Cambridge Synthetic. You said they're going to have um, a trifecta of uh, days racing on Synthetic. Well, it's Cambridge's turn today. Eight races. First at... Uh, no, it's yesterday, Cambridge. It's Rickon today. Uh, seven races, first at twelve twenty-seven. So um, let's look at that. But uh, also, what else have you got in the segment? Well, look, I thought we'd, we'd bring in a, a friend, a friend today, Swithy, a little bit of uh, a third party to talk to us because while we inject a bit of rock and roll, because I know he he loves that sort of music. Is our our pal Baz? Remember Brendan McCullum? He's now head coach of uh, the England cricket. Test cricket side. They're about to embark in the ashes. Messaged him this morning just to say good luck. He said he's very, very excited, you know, eternally positive, all of that stuff we know so well. And then I was looking through the fields today, Smithy, and I saw a horse in, in race number seven called Last Superba. And it's won its last two starts on the synthetic. It absolutely carved them up a couple of starts ago on its maiden. And then it went straight to 65 and somehow got its nose down on the line, this shocking mare. And I, I realised and remembered that Baz actually has a share in this mare, this shocking mare. And I thought, there's probably a good story behind it. And then I recalled him telling me it. And I thought, well, there's only one man while Baz is probably hopefully asleep now, resting before the ashes, that can recount the story. And that is the trainer and or co-owner of this horse. It's Ryan Thistol. He's taken the call this morning. G'day, Ryan. How are you doing? 
How are we going, man? Lovely day here in Christchurch. A bit cold this morning, but the sun's out now. Yes. It was a little bit windy this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a bit of a breeze, a cool breeze going, but uh, the sun's out now and it's going to be a balmy day. Right, Ryan, introduce yourself to myself, Smithy, and the, the punters out there. Who are you and what do you do for a day job? Um, well, I, I'm an assistant course manager here at Rickerton. Um I grew up in the racing industry. My grandfather trained for many years, and, uh, and uh, I had decided a few years ago to take my licence out, and I potter away with a couple of horses and uh, having a bit of luck at the moment. Yeah, yeah, you've got a couple that are going all right. So you potter away with a couple. Um, how many how many spots in the, the, the stables do you have? I limit it, limit it to three. Um, I start work at eight in the morning, so uh, three is more than enough at the moment. Yeah, righty-ho, okay. Now, last Superba, um, this is an interesting story. I was at the Synthetica Cup when it won its maiden, and it absolutely kicked them in, and I thought, what have we just seen here? And then I heard them read out, as they do across the speaker, the owners, and there was a B. McCullum, and I thought, you're kidding. So I gave him a call, and he said, how good was that? Did you have something on it? I said, no, I didn't, mate. <laughs> where was the tip? Where was the tip? Uh, sounds like he had something on it. How on earth have you, with one of your three horses, got the coach of the England <laughs> Test cricket side in the share, in the, with a share of it? Oh, we uh, we played a bit of cricket together. Uh, back, nah, just joking. Uh, well, funny enough, on a Monday <laughs> night, I Gavel House was closing up, and I'd had a few ales, and uh, I liked the look of her on Gavel House, so we threw in one bit at 700 bucks, and we were lucky enough to get her. Um, and I, I didn't know that, that uh, Baz owned her, and uh, it wasn't until the paperwork come through that I saw his name there. And uh, I contacted him, and he said the old story that his wife said, you've, had, you've got too many horses, you've got to start getting rid of them. And uh, which which was fortunate for me, and uh, I just said to him, you know, when the paperwork went through, I said, yeah, you, you want to keep a share, and he was more than happy. So, uh, yeah, his misfortune ended up working out for both of us in the end. Seven hundred bucks, seven hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars is all it took. One bid, you bid and you buy. <laughs> you, you bid your buy. That's right, Ryan. Now, Smithy, that sounds a bit like Baz, doesn't it? Ryan said he had a few too many ales. Well, I guarantee you, Baz probably had too many ales when he when he first bought it. This this is about as quintessential Brenda McCullum as it gets, isn't it, Smithy? Well, and it's an omen too, isn't it? I mean, if he can get an investment, uh, keeping going, and stay firm with his investment in uh, La Superba, and it wins its last two. Um, if I'm uh, Pat Cummins and Andrew McDonald, I'm a little bit worried because Baz might be on a picket fence roll here uh, with the ashes looming. What kind of owner is he? Is he is he attentive? Uh, does he does he ring you every now and then, or what's what's the go? No, he's pretty good actually. Um, every now and then he'll send a message, but I keep him updated, send him videos all the time, and he just sends back emojis. Really, the, uh, <laughs> the muscle emoji every time. <laughs> he he loves the muscle emoji. You're right, um, Ryan. Yeah. How, 
Look, you, you're the assistant course manager. You, you didn't play a bit of cricket with them. It sounds like that was a joke. But you and your <laughs> missus, who's also also in the share of this, also, is it pretty strange when you think about what he's doing right now and he's about to, in a couple of days, considering you're about to saddle up Lars Perber and he's about to saddle up Ben Stokes? Yeah, it's it's quite funny, really. You, you know, like you, you're contacting him through WhatsApp and that and... Uh, and then you you know you sort of really think about it and yeah you, you know basically he's one of the most powerful men in cricket and and he's ringing me up having a Yahoo on the phone about you know the odd win here and there you know he, it's it's quite it's quite surreal really. Brilliant. Can I ask you this? Can I ask you this question as a track assistant track manager as such? And of course um, you've got the benefit of maintaining of course the, the synthetic side of it. How easy is that to do, the synthetic track uh, maintenance in that regard? And how did you know La Superba would be a good synthetic track horse? Um, yeah, it was, you know, um, to be honest with you, my partner, she told me to run her on the, on the poly. Um, yeah, it's all down to her. She rides in all her work and um, she, yeah, she basically tells me what to do with her. And the track itself is, a, is you know, it's a huge investment by New Zealand Racing, etc. Um, how have you found it? And, and as I said, how, how easy is it to maintain? And is it ever affected by weather at any stage? Um, not really. Um, it's 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 pretty. I mean, it's not the answer to everything. Um, it, it, it's great for me at the moment because I've only my three horses all love the poly, so I'm very lucky. Um, it's not the answer to everything, but um, in, in terms of winter racing, it's you know it, it gives another horses another option, um, keeps horses in work over winter. Um, but in terms of maintenance, um, it's, it's fairly easy to groom. Um, it's just paying attention to detail, you know, when you need to go deeper with your grooming and things like that. Ryan. Now, last Suburba, so what has happened? You said your partner's in charge, but you must have some inkling. What's happened? Because she's gone from tailing off nine lengths in Timaru on a good on a good four to being electric yep. up on the pace on these synthetics. You'd be hoping that you can transfer this back to the... You probably put her out for a bit, then bring her back in summer, I imagine, on the, the good tracks, on the turf. Is that what you're hoping? Um, today... Today will um, tell us what to do with her. Um, as you know, she's gone from maidens to 65, up to 75. That's a pretty big step up for her. Um, she's only a little mare. She's very tough. Um, Timaru, uh, she drew wide and she was 3-4 wide. Um, Terry Mosley rode her that day. He came in and said, don't even worry about that. Uh, right. But, yeah, she's come a long way in a short time. But it's just a, a matter of um, the penny dropping and... Um, getting the hang of being a racehorse, like she's she's thriving today. Like she's today, she bounced out of that last race better than ever. Um, but no, we're really happy with her going into today. Well, mate, you've got a couple. You've only got three horses, but you got two of them racing in the same race, which is race seven at Rick and Park Synthetic today. Just before we let you go, we're going to need to know the story about Strike Force. So he's second up today. He's, he's, I love this. He's second up today. He's a seven-year-old battle paint that's been to the races seven times. How on earth have you ended up with a battle paint gelding second up on the record and synthetic? 
Well, yeah, he's another interesting story. We bought him off Gavel House after he went to Hong Kong. Um, he was trained across the road from me by Danny Crozier. He won two from two, sold him to Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong didn't work for him. He's a, he's a handful. Um, yeah, we bought him off Gavel House. He had a tendon injury. Um, we turned him out for six months, bought him up. He nearly died on us. He collapsed for about five hours. Um, things went wrong for him and we ended up winning with him fresh up after nearly two years I think um, but yeah he, he's one of them horses on his day he, he's a very very good horse um, but it's just whether it's his day um, but yeah he, he, he's a very good galloper So he's got the top pudding and La Superb has got the bottom or close enough to it what's the better each way go or do we just have a crack at both like bears actually no he wouldn't never on the tail always on the nose he'd say so what are we backing Yeah oh hey uh, flip a coin I'd say Um, I do like La Superb she should get a nice economical run Um, but in saying that I've got shares in both so I'll probably have to say La Superb because my partner will Give me a slap if I don't say that. <laughs> Smithy, that's about it. Uh, that's all I've got, mate. Uh, there you go. I, I, had to sh- I just had to share Ryan's story. <laughs> no, it's a great story. Uh, let's hope that uh, Baz is going to call you to later this afternoon or uh, early um, Friday morning England time. And uh, you've got some better news or some good news for him again. Maybe the picket fence. That'll be fantastic, Ryan. Hey, cool. Cool to catch up with you, mate. And uh, thanks for the insight, too, on the on the synthetic track. Have a terrific day with uh, your two charges in action. Cheers. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, cheers. No uh, worries. Ro- Ryan Thistle there, um, real character. Future of racing, that kind of age group, and it's uh, great to hear that they're uh, heavily invested in the uh, Louis interview. Uh, aside from that, aside from that story and uh, La Superba, um, anything else that uh, tickles your uh, taste buds in terms of uh, something that might win today? Oh, Smithy, there's a couple of short ones. To be honest, I don't want to. I don't want to lob anything out. I, I haven't done enough form. To be honest, I just saw that this morning and thought it was really neat. Might have an each way go on last superb. It's at an each way price, and as he, as Ryan's right, it's going to get a lovely run from Barrier Three. It's got a, a really good jockey in this field in, in Cosiasano. Hey, just side note, you will find this interesting. Yesterday at Cambridge, there was a race all female jockeys. I think it was race two or three. Sam Spratt had about three by lunchtime, but there was a race, not a single bloke riding. Isn't that neat? Is, is that by accident or was that designed? It's to- totally coincidence, I'd say. Okay, cool. Fair enough, because back in the day, I think they used to have uh, specialist um, female races for, uh, for for female jockeys. I'm pretty sure they used to back in the day because there weren't the volume of female riders that there are now and the opportunities were less. But, okay, that's cool. 10.52, uh, we'll be back very shortly and uh, hopefully catch up with Pip Morris from the TAB. Smithy's Multi. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, Greyhound Racing today at uh, Monaco and uh, at Addington, so a busy day there. Uh, sports betting options, of course, for the US Open uh, there to take. After hearing uh, this morning um, from David Bolesky, you might want to get involved there. Uh, the Super Semi-Finals, of course, and uh, some NRL action uh, coming up beginning tomorrow night. But uh, my multi for today is uh, the Nuggets to beat the Rams. That's the Otago Nuggets to beat the Canterbury Rams. Uh, that's at $1.75 tonight. 
Um, I'll go to the baseball with the Red Sox to beat the Rockies at a dollar forty-three, and two games of cricket to add on in terms of uh, World Cup qualifiers, which I think um, not home runs but pretty close to it. Ireland to beat the Netherlands at a dollar twenty-nine. Now the Netherlands are really outsiders here. This is the Netherlands side that uh, knocked over South Africa in the T20 World Cup. Who will forget that in Adelaide and uh, knocked South Africa out. Um, so the Ireland to, beat, Ireland to beat the Netherlands, Ireland playing a lot of cricket, getting a lot more experience of late, $1.29, and Nepal to beat Oman. Nepal to beat Oman at $1.37. So the Nuggets into the Red Sox, into Ireland, into Nepal. Can't get too uh, more far-reaching than that, can you? It's at $4.42. $4.42. Uh, that is uh, the multi for today. Um, coming up after the break... We're going to open the lines up again because uh, we had so many calls. We'd love to still hear from you about club rugby. We've got a multitude of uh, lengthy texts to read out as well. So please uh, get involved. 0800 150811. We shall take your calls uh, principally on that rugby subject. But if you've got anything else in mind, we'll do that as well. And uh, we're still waiting to hear if maybe uh, Patrick Gower or Andrew Gordy might come to us at some point. Uh, at this uh, stage, maybe not. But we'll catch up with them at some point because they have... Really, I won't say open a can of worms. I think the can was pretty much open anyway, but they've confirmed that there's worms in there. Uh, There's no doubt about that. It is uh, coming up to 11 o'clock here on SENZ and Aroha with the news. Radio, uh, 0800 150 811 is the phone number, folks. 0800 150 811 would uh, love to hear um, some more calls. We had a bit of a lineup. We couldn't get to all of them. If you're still available out there, we would love to uh, hear from you. I know Staffy will have uh, more on the subject between 12 and 1 as well in his talkback segment, but uh, we'd love to have a chin wag with you on the subject that we've been talking about. It's uh, dominated the show and the breakfast show as well, uh, was the state of New Zealand rugby. The state of New Zealand rugby in terms of uh, what you're watching, um, all the way down from uh, super rugby level down to club rugby level and school level. Uh, What are you experiencing in the provinces about trying to put teams together, uh, about having to ring round all the time and and, uh, just get numbers, begging people, basically begging people uh, to come and play. So uh, Roger's joined us uh, from Taranaki. Roger, uh, I think we had a uh, meeting of the minds not that long ago, actually, Rog. But uh, nice, nice of you to call in. What, what's your uh, your take on all of this? I've called in to give you my, my $50 multi uh, numbers from yesterday, um, Smithy. <laughs> okay, do that. Okay, one in every race. So I've got race one, number two. Race two, number five. Race three, number two. Race four, number four. Race five, number three. Race six, number five. Race seven, number one. What is that? To reach out at? 12, 1233. 1233, all okay. Pl- all, that looks, uh, all place, all, all place betting. But, um, oh, that's cool. 
I, I like that, Roger, and you said you would, so uh, you've, you've, um, you've honoured that. Uh, Roger, do you, do you have any involvement in, in rugby or at any levels, or, or have you ever had? Yeah, I played rugby till I was in my 40s, nearly 50. I played. I made a comeback and played old-timers. I coached for 17 years in the South Island. I'm from Taranaki, but you... I went down there share-milking. Okay, so what are you, what are you sensing? Uh, I mean, uh, what's the word around uh, your part, uh, your neck of the woods, uh, about uh, what junior and club rugby is such? I mean, you get one little look every now and then at the Chiefs because uh, that you're part of their franchise now, not the Hurricanes. So what, are the, what about the state there? I still follow the Hurricanes. Don't worry about that. Um, can you call stuff? Um, the junior rugby's kind of forgotten. It's not looked after. All the money's poured into the top end and... and um, the poor old coaches that are coaching the the lower grades, are, you know, sort of get nothing out of the clubs. The money all goes to the top end, and and the sort of uh, poor man's the leper colonies, the lower echelon. So you know, like oh, even I... the Super Rugby, I, I've gone off it because of all the bloody whistle blowing and bullshit with the um, um, unable to make proper calls from the you know third umpire and all that bullshit. That is, uh, it's the game, me, uh, the game I, think... I ever played. It's a whole different game that I ever played and coached anyway, um, you know. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I'm with you on the officiating. Uh, it, it gets me. It, it honestly gets me. that, And even Wayne Smith said that the, the other day when he was talking about all, all you look now is uh, if, if you're not really looking deeply at the game, you're just looking at the referee's arm, which way it's going to go. And it'll happen. Once every two minutes, three minutes in the game, sometimes often more, and it'll often be followed by advantage, playing advantage, playing advantage. Now, are they the, are they the words you want to hear booming through? Maybe we should get the refs turned down and just turn them up when it comes to a contentious decision because I'm sick of it. I'm sick of play advantage, advantage over, advantage still playing, new advantage. Uh, it's getting to me, Roger. It's not playing time, is it? Because sort of, you know it's going to go back to... That unless they turn the ball over, you know they're going to keep playing forward. But you know, it's it's not fun to watch anymore. It's um, boring. But given given yeah. that in mind, I've just I've just paid a hundred dollars for a ticket to go and watch Taranaki play Wellington in a pre-season game, only because um, that's at Manaya for the first time they would have played Taranaki rugby at Manaya. Yarrow's um, hundred years old, so um, hundred bucks gets us four hours free drinking. So we reckon we can recoup our money. <laughs> I think you will, I think you will. You're a good Taranaki man. We'll go get value for money there. There's no, no doubt about that. Hey, Roger, thank you very much. All the best for your multi. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, wish you all the best for your 1,200 plus. That would be cool. Uh, Finn from uh, Fokatani is called in. Uh, g'day, Finn. Yeah, g'day, Smithy. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I've got two points of why I've fallen out of love with footy, and that is exactly what you said. How bloody long do you play advantage for 10 20 30 phases that's that's what it feels like and you know there's a no win situation for the opposing team when they do something good when you come back after 20 or 30 phases back to the original penalty but my my biggest gripe is with why I've fallen out of love with footy at all levels and going to games is the referee's too busy, too quick to throw out the yellow and red cards. As as far as I'm concerned, as so as soon as the red cards thrown out, it's a no contest. It's a game over, and it's a ball fest. 
It, it really is. Who wants to see 14 on 15? It's just a game of how many points is this, are they going to score against 14 players? It's a long contest. Any idea, Finn, um, what uh, rugby's like in Fokatani? Oh, yeah, in the oh, yeah, in the Eastern Bay, it's uh, they play their their local round, but not part of the Western Bay competition um, for various reasons. Um, yeah, it's a it is a struggle at times to get uh, players at the senior level along along um, as far as I know, just because there's. It's hunting season and other fishing and bits and pieces. Um, you have your, your good and your bad. Um, yeah, and like you said, you, you're ringing around trying to find players. Um, but there's always, a, there's always a senior game on, that's for sure. But it's not easy down here, I know that much. Yeah, I think the club rugby experience is changing as well. I mean, you know, back in the day, and of course life changes, uh, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why... Um, you know, club rooms are starting to struggle a wee bit now, but it's a different culture of people playing um, who, you know, aren't all about the beers at the end of the game and the ladies in the kitchen as it used to be. Sure, I can accept that that's changing, Finn, but um, <clears throat> we're losing touch. I, I would imagine most uh, club rooms uh, empty out pretty quickly. Uh, opposition teams, uh, if they come to the club rooms, will be away back to their own or back to pubs or just back home these days and um, you know it, that's where I think the essence of a club is being lost as well um, you know the club feeling yep you're, you're dead right I remember when I was playing and that you'd you wouldn't leave the club until the well after the bar closed it was a big family social thing in that you know um, the club was the heart of our, our communities um, and yeah, it's, it's just so bloody hard for various reasons. You know, kids have got different interests these days. You've said it. There's basketball. There's so many different options that kids have got these days. We're, we're not just rugby, cricket and racing, you know? Uh, well, uh, I, I absolutely concur with you, mate. Uh, I do. Um, nice to hear you too, Finn. Uh, thanks very much uh, for that. And uh, I'm right with you on the, on the officiating of the game. It, it just becomes uh, so much harder uh, to get into and, and flow with um, and we look at uh, NRL, we look at AFL not a big AFL fan but uh, certainly you don't have to watch a game of AFL for long to realise exactly what's going on and uh, that is uh, in itself um, very re revealing as well you put an AFL, put a rugby guy over to an AFL game and say pick up on this as soon as you can uh, they'll pick it up in probably 10, 15 minutes, half an hour at the most. Uh, get an AFL guy, pick up on rugby. It might take a bit longer on picking. It might take a wee bit longer. Brian uh, from Fokatani as well. We're doubling up on uh, Fokatani. It's been in the news in the last couple of days. Fokatani, Brian, how are you? Yeah, all the, all the wrong reasons, Smitty, but uh, that's, the way, that's the way of the world, apparently. Anyway, uh, yeah. I'm great, thanks. So just, just on the state of rugby, so I've got, I've got two gripes. One is the amount of kicking. The uh, the Chiefs game the other night, I listened to the alternative uh, commentary. They were keeping a tally. There was 50 kicks in the first half. And, um, and these kicks are not excluding conversions and um, penalties. Uh, and then uh, I think it almost doubled <coughs> in the second half. So 100 kicks, tactical, so-called tactical kicking. The other one I have is... Um, 
we just won't see open rugby now with the number of forwards that are in the back line. We won't see the rights of, you know, the likes of Terry Wrights and the Grant Baddies and, and uh, you know, Robinson and all those guys cutting through because it, you just can't. It's now become a, grain, a game of gridiron. I, look, I'm with you on that, on both of those as well. Yeah, that's an insane amount of kicking. It's insane. This is so important, This uh, these semifinals, the quarterfinal semifinals and the grand final are so important this year of all years in terms of uh, people tuning in and watching. They'll get good numbers, but I'll be interested to see people who tune out if they follow the same patterns, Brian. I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. Uh, and, uh, of course, you're right too. Uh, they insist on uh, big boys, the, the guys with the low numbers, being essential first-up ball carriers these days, which, uh, of course, gets defensive lines time to set up. Uh, they're there to crash them early on and, and perhaps set, set up that second-phase ball, but they're awake to that with their defensive approaches these days, and it makes it very hard for the fleet-footed guys. And you wonder why the likes of Bowden Barrett and, uh, and that tend to drop off, their form tends to drop off, because... Uh, they just don't get the opportunities and uh, more, they're happier to kick it for self-preservation more than anything else, particularly when they're getting uh, a little bit longer, deeper into the game. Brian, uh, thanks very much. I hope uh, everything's back to normal in Fokatani after the farcical scenes that we've been seeing over the last couple of days. Uh, Paul from Northland. Uh, Paul, good morning to you. Good morning, Smitty. Great show, as, as per usual, mate. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I've got you, man. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, just uh, looking forward to your opinion because uh, you're a regular contributor. Yep, yep. Um, you, you, you've, got, you've got to say, you know, this is all doing of the New Zealand Rugby Union, the, the, the state of rugby. It, it, there's almost been a um, resting on their laurels, sort of arrogance, privilege sort of attitude, you know, that people will just love rugby and you know we'll just we'll just do what we want they've treated their fans with disrespect you know taking players out of super rugby and expecting them to pay 70 dollars for a ticket to go and watch a team that they've basically destroyed um you know you've had issues with uh, the women's rugby world cup last year was a huge success and and there's no fruit of that um, in fact people are struggling to feel women's teams uh, so it's all their own doing. It's come back to bite them on the bum, and unfortunately, there's probably no no return because, as we've heard this morning, a lot of your callers have rung up and talked about the product. Well, they've tinkered with the rules that many times. I don't think. I mean, you can roll a turd and glitter that many times, mate. But you know, you, you know what it still is. So I don't know what the answer is, mate. But I think you're in big trouble. Yeah, what worries me, Paul, is I've gone past the point of no return with grassroots rugby. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure how they're going to get it back. Well, uh, I mean, that, uh, that, that investigation from Patrick Gower, uh, it was very revealing. But, it, you know, you speak to grassroots people, this has been on the cards for quite some time. He's just brought it to a uh, slightly more high, higher profile. Well, people were saying this years ago, probably 10 or so years ago, when, when it was so all black centric and focused, it was all about the all blacks at the top, you know, and people were saying it's, it's going to be to the detriment of the grassroots. But oh no, they just carry on with their Silver Lake deals and their, uh, you know, their new platforms and so forth, treating their fans with disrespect. And it, you could see it a mile away years ago, and unfortunately, it, it, now it's happening. Now they're kind of scrambling, um, you know, they've, 
this super rugby competition's gone from 8 to 10 to 12 to 15, back to 10, and so on. They've just got no idea. They're basically amateurs trying to run a professional and in a professional environment. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just unbelievable, the state of it. Yeah, I, I made a point uh, right from the outset this morning. The rugby New Zealand Rugby Union used to be full and made up of, in terms of uh, their board, of people from the grassroots. There would be a, uh, there would be someone, I think, uh, Mr Peters from uh, North Auckland was the latest one there. Uh, Richard Hunt here in Hawke's Bay. All around the provinces, there were good, strong, rugby provincial people making decisions and voting on issues. And at that point, um, you know, you can rest assured that uh, a fair amount of the time round the board table was spent talking about club and provincial rugby because it was in their best interest and that's what they represented. Those guys, uh, bit by bit, have uh, been replaced by business people um, with, uh, I'm not sure they have agendas, but they've had uh, success in their fields and good luck to them in that. Uh, but um, not many of them would be involved too heavily with grassroots rugby over the years or have any knowledge of it. So, Paul, I think... Um, uh, I hope they're not past the point of no return. I would love to see um, the numbers turn round and have an upswing, but at the moment, according to the figures, uh, drastically trending down. Cheers, man. Uh, thanks very much for your call, and I echo your sentiments as well. Uh, Neville from uh, Kaiapoi. Uh, good morning to you, Neville. Good morning, Ian. It's not golf. Look, <laughs> 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 rugby... <laughs> I've been watching rugby, I played rugby a little bit in my young days, but there are about three things that I think would help rugby enormously if the rule makers would only do it. Number one, um, the clean out. You never used to be able to tackle anyone without the ball. So this blowing players out is crazy. You should have to do it like you used to. You just form up like a ruck and have to push through. Um, and that, that's causing injuries. So a lot of people don't like it. The other thing is the tackle ball. Today, you go down and you tackle the other guys, immediately got a hand sort of around you and you're penalised. I maintain they should have a two-second window the referee, once the guy goes to ground, he at least gets an opportunity to try and free the ball back before the other guy can, can win a penalty. Um, because you see someone might make a beautiful break, they run 50 metres, and they get caught by the fullback, and immediately if he can touch the ball, he gets a penalty. And I, I just can't go with that. If, you, if the referee gives him two seconds at least he gets some advantage from a good piece of rugby now the other thing which drives me nuts and everyone else I'm sure in the Hurricanes last five or eight minutes of battering away on the Brumbies line now that's the worst thing about rugby you get penalty after penalty when you're on attack if your scrum can have some kind of advantage um, you see a scrum go to ground and immediately there'll be a penalty somewhere why in heaven's name when the ball is at the back of the scrum if it goes down get the ball out There's no, don't give penalties when one scrum has um, by its superior strength not, not by the opposition 
doing anything illegal, they, they just can't stay upright. Absolutely right. Absolutely right, Neville. Um, your observations there um, in terms of uh, what you're seeing and what's uh, getting to you um, are very common to what uh, everyone is thinking as well. So from one learned South Island gentleman to another, uh, let's pop down to, uh, lastly, Cliff from Dunedin. Yeah, morning, Staffy. Yeah, I've been listening to you earlier on and I, I thought I had lots to say. I mean, look, the population of New Zealand is probably in the last 20 years has gone up by a million people, but there's so few people interested in rugby anymore. You know, down down here, there's probably only five good rugby schools in the Targa and Southland. There's probably five or six, well, not even that, quality teams in the Dunedin competition. That most of the rest of it is just social rugby. It's the 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 countries still have a reasonable competition, but once you drop away from the seniors, there's nothing really else except a bit of social footy. Guys that are basically groups of guys that have been hanging out for the last few years. But I think that's all dying as well. And to me, to me, social super rugby should be discontinued. They should go back to the NPC and maybe have a competition, a small comp between the best teams, you know, New Zealand side, maybe Canterbury or the or Auckland against uh, a couple of sides from Australia at the end of the competition. But they need to bring back the Fortress rugby again because, to me, Super Rugby just doesn't do it. I mean, they brought in the Fijian team and they've been so, so you know, they've done well. They've won some games at home, but... The, the Samoan and the Moana Pacifica team has just drawn players more friends out of the local competition here and, and, and their side. They're just not good enough. To me, to me rugby just needs to just needs to look at itself again and, and just try and be something what it is. And to me, it's, it needs to start the competition in June and play through till October and finish. Not you know, the other day when they started that, that day game in Wellington, well, that was the first day of club rugby. Now, everybody had organised stuff on that club rugby first day. And then suddenly they decided that they'd have a game of, of, of super rugby on at the same time. Now, I'm sure that didn't go down well with a lot of the club side. But if they're not going to play during the day, they just fiddle around. And to me, they need to go back to NPC. Good on you, Cliff. Thank you very much uh, for, for that opinion. And uh, you're right, I remember that game well. There was objections uh, from Club Rugby, but incidentally, I think it was probably the best crowd they got throughout the season uh, playing afternoon rugby, uh, even though it was arranged very much at the last minute. You know, Club Rugby around here used to be, a, I was talking to a chap the other day in Hawke's Bay, who played Club Rugby season would last about 22 games. About 22 games uh, in days gone by. Uh, now, um, if you make the playoffs, you're looking at 11 or 12. So the season's half as long. How do clubs make money out of that from uh, their hosting of teams, etc.? Uh, half the opportunities. Doesn't make sense. Uh, 11.24, thank you so much for your calls, and we had plenty of them this morning, and uh, not one of them, not one of them has been uh, liking what they're seeing out of our national game at the moment. We'll be back soon. Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Izzy and Kempe, weekdays from 6 on SENZ. SENZ's Hawks Bay ratings better be going through the roof with Izzy and Smitty. You're listening to SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. 
brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. From Dai. Hi, Smithy. I used to have two seasonal membership passes to the Caketon for about 18 years. I gave it up when COVID hit. I'm a Kane supporter. I haven't been to a game since 2019. Due to costs, as I'm in the Manawatu with fuel costs, etc., I don't go anymore. I'm a farmer and work another good job with rising farm costs. Uh, sorry, I, work another jo- I have to work another job with rising farm costs. There's no money left to go to Super Games. I watch all the games on Sky. Uh, thanks very much for Di. There'd be a few people, uh, I think, would uh, fall into line with what you're thinking there. Uh, Wayne, I think you have to look at what worked uh, when Super Rugby competition was flying. It was a Super 12 competition. The final was Queen's birthday weekend, so it was all over basically before winter started. All-round robin games during the warmer months, and the players had a, a good rest before international duties in the NPC, with some players even going back to play club rugby. And the teams were certainly not resting players during the Super 12 season. Wayne, absolutely right. The formula worked there. There was a novelty about it. But at least they were consistent uh, with their thinking uh, uh, around what they were going to do. And they made sure that the product, because it was a very new product, they couldn't dilute it. They couldn't whittle it down. They had to keep bumping it up and and, uh, coming up with innovations around it. And they didn't certainly dilute the talent playing. That was one of the great features of it. Um, hi Smithy, a big part of it is there is zero, absolutely zero investment in the club room financially why are we paying millions to set up Moana and women's super rugby why don't we get Farah Palmer Cup going real good before wasting millions on women's super that no one watches imagine what the estimated 2 million investment in Moana and 5 million investment in women's could do if it was invested in club rugby, uh, the average player plays uh, 100 to 200 per season in fees Imagine NZ Rugby saying all club rugby is $20 per season. Uh, that might help. Yes, it absolutely might help. Uh, in terms of uh, the women's rugby, well, uh, they, uh, according to uh, Sandra Ioani, and uh, I respect her thoughts, uh, former uh, Blackfern herself uh, with two sons who have uh, done extremely well with the game and out of the game. Uh, she's uh, the one that has... Uh, raised my um, knowledge of the fact that women's rugby has not been able to cash in at club uh, rugby level on the success and it was wonderful success of the Women's World Cup um, it, all of these things are costs they're all costs and you have to wonder uh, at what point uh, the return is going to come This uh, are we panicking because this is a World Cup year? Um, the things change because it's a World Cup year? Um, do our players play all super rugby games uh, in non-World Cup years? I'm not sure. I still believe there's been a lot of rest and rotation in non-World Cup years as well, going back. Uh, it's uh, 11.32. Uh, we've uh, got to hit the news, but we've also got to say, uh, dial us on 0800 uh, on this particular occasion, though it's to Stump Smithy. $50 up for grabs in terms of uh, TAB bonus bet. Love to take your calls. Brian is waiting. He's been busy on the, the boards this morning already, but he's ready and willing, and uh, Louis has got the questions sorted, so... Uh, here's the news uh, with Araha. We'll be back to play very shortly. You can catch live commentary of the Ashes first test tomorrow from 9pm on SCNZ or the SCNZ app. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 
Right, it's uh, 11.35 and it's uh, time to get stuck into a bit of uh, general knowledge or general sporting knowledge in particular. So, uh, Louis, uh, who have we got lined up this morning and uh, what are we playing for and uh, what are our subjects? Three great questions, Smithy. I believe we're paying for playing for $50. Uh, yesterday, somebody managed to not be stumped, so hit a boundary. I can't remember who that was exactly. We're going to Gore today to catch up with Rob. G'day, Rob. How you doing? Morning, Louis. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How's the uh, state of club rugby down in Gore? They play a bit of rugby league still around Southlandy Gore era? Area? Oh, not as much as I'd like. There's, um, there's a lot of teams, even senior teams, that are combining with other um, clubs around the place to keep going and Gore High. They've only got a first 15. Their second 15's had to combine with a team from Wyndham. So, yeah, it's definitely gone the way that he's been talking anyway. Mm, interesting. I appreciate that, uh, Rob. Let's get into it. Will you have basketball, cricket or rugby league to choose from? Oh, rugby league, please. Wow, there you go. Rugby league it is. Smithy, lock and load. The Warriors are enjoying their best home crowd since 1995. Well, <laughs> and now that's another topic altogether, isn't it? Who will they host next at Go Media Stadium, Mount Smart? Ooh. I think uh, it was St George next week, but I don't think that's at home. Um, it might be the, uh, the Rabbitohs or Eels. I'm going to go the Rabbitohs, please. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. And Rob, just a just a little bit of friendly advice here. Re- remember that if you if you get these 50-50s wrong that you talk out, think out loud, Smithy is right there to stump you, and he is sharp. So oh, just he need me. Oh, he does not need any advice. <laughs> just it might have been a red mess. hearing, Smithy. It might have been a red herring. It would have been a, a, a gore red herring. Sounds like she'll be on a bit of toast, the gore red herring. Okay, right. Moving on. Excuse me? <laughs> the West Tigers were handed a tough 28-12, lost by the Titans in round 15 of the NRL. 15. The Tigers could lose their captain for a minimum of six weeks with a broken jaw. Who is the skipper of West Tigers? Arby Corsell. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, it's a procession. It's a procession at this point. It doesn't. It doesn't get any. It does not get easier than this as a as a clincher. Oh, it, turn it, it up. Does, it does not get easier than this, Rob. This is, mate. This is unbelievable. I haven't seen Smithy this mad since he saw the the uh, goings on out of Fakatane. Uh, Tony Kemp loves <laughs> running it straight here on SENZ, <laughs> but during his rugby league playing days, which Aussie club did he wear the number six jersey for? Oh, oh. Uh. foundation player of the club. Come on. Foundation player of the club. Uh, okay, um, it narrows out a few. Um, um, oh man, I'm having a bit of a senior moment. Um, 
Gonna I'm need gonna an answer. Roll. Yeah, Three. I'll go with um, Melbourne Storm. One of the worst things I have ever seen yeah. done on a cricket field. Uh, I don't know. Oh, right. No, sorry, Kimpy. Um, I'm not sure either, to be perfectly honest, Kempi, but uh, I'm pretty sure that it's it's going to be a, uh, a club that started in, what, around about the 90s, the mid-90s? So I'm going to say that maybe not. Uh, I'm going to go with the Gold Coast Seagulls. How far away am I? One of the worst things I have ever seen oh, oh, yeah. done on a trip oh, This is just... <laughs> I've seen some things. <laughs> How old do you think Kimpy is? Out of curiosity, Smithy. <laughs> oh, sort of Richie Beno sort of stage. <laughs> uh, he's, in, he's he's there now. It, uh, he's gone back to the club, Newcastle Knights boys. With all the Newcastle. Oh, I thought yeah. Newcastle was a lot older club than that. Really? Newcastle Knights. When were they? Oh. It was the Newcastle Knights. I'll look up their found, found date, founding date, right? What's what's he there for? Are they having a reunion of the like the post Second World War team or something? Nineteen eighty eight. Told you, Rob. He's lashing out. I mean, he's, he's couple of things have just been niggling away at Smithy this week, and you were until you weren't, but you still won. Good on you, oh, Rob. Man. You're an absolute champ. You're a champion, mate. All the very Thanks. best. You've won the fitty today. Uh, stay on the line. Brian will make sure you can get that money as soon as possible, my friend. Put it on the US Open. Back a, back a dark horse on the Otherwise. US Open. Good on you, pal. Go oh, to Waz. Yeah, Go to Waz. Got, got a horse running on uh, Saturday. He's been in pretty good form that we train. He's called Brookies Player. He's got a bad draw. He's drawn one the second line. Um, but he won the Bluff Cup last week, and he's... He's too dumb to know he has a hard run, so keep an eye out for that one. <laughs> what, Good on you. What, what, what race? What race, Rob? Uh, Invercargill, Saturday, maybe race eight, seven or eight. Yeah. Got you. Brookie's Cheers. Didn't realise we were talking Giddy to the up. winner of the Bluff Cup. Didn't realise we were talking <laughs> to the winner of the Bluff Cup. <laughs> Rob, you're a champion. Well done with the horse, and congratulations uh, too on the quiz. Uh, we'll speak again shortly, uh, I am sure. Thank you, mate. All the best. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Cheers. What did you, what did you turn your nose up at hearings on toast for? Hearings on toast with a bit of tomato sauce? Are you kidding me? Some people wouldn't have the toast, but hearings on toast, Louis Herman. What you need to uh, expand your. Diet I, I, I thought you said he- I thought you were talking about the bird. Not a uh, uh, narrow. Oh, I'm I'm back. I a hearing, yeah. not a heron. A yeah, hearing. I thought you said heron oh. on toast. I thought gee, that's a bit gruesome. Ducks, one oh thing, but God. heron. We, we need we need to take a break, and we'll do just that. I think, Brian, push the button. SCNZ, it's Kiwi for sport. <laughs> Keep up to date on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram at SCNZ_radio. <laughs> The All Blacks bring home the Web Alice Cup for the fourth time. You can follow all the action with live commentaries and much more on SENZ. It starts September 9, the All Blacks against France. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Radio, let's uh, get across to uh, the sports desk uh, where Louis is waiting and uh, Craig says Louis needs to get his hearing. If he thought Ian said hearings instead of hearings, I didn't know Bluff had a racetrack. There you go. Well, Bluff has a racetrack, Craig, and it seems I don't just have terrible eyes. I've got ears that aren't working as well. And I you don't have to wear glasses or hearing aids for those as well, or hearing, a, <laughs> hearing aids. Uh, so, so the, the sports test with Polaris field days is going on. Uh, remember, Andy is roving around there uh, uh, later on from most of our rural or regional networks. Now, I just noticed, and you will find this interesting, to start us off, as a side note, Croatia's at it again. Perennial big tournament, big match team, underrated year on year. They've made the final of the UEFA Nations League. They've beaten uh, Netherlands. They weren't favoured. They've beaten Netherlands. Uh, they've taken it to extra time. And, of course, it was a Modric penalty in the 116th minute. They've won 4-2, so they're off to the final. I didn't actually realise the Nations League was uh, the UEFA Nations League was at that point in the match, but at that point in the tournament. But there you go. Croatia, they are amazing. Kind of like Serbia as far as what they do, providing uh, sporting exports for war-torn small countries. Yeah, they are good. Uh, they're always a threat, actually. Um, they, they, they never actually uh, get knocked out that early in, in competitions. They're always... And Modric has been... Uh, Luka Modric has been one of the reasons why in the last, what, decade? He's a superb, a superb midfield player and uh, a good leader. He must be coming pretty much to the end of it now, Luka Modric. But I see uh, Lewandowski finished the other day. Robert Lewandowski finished the other day. But... Um, <coughs> They've always been good, uh, Croatia, in that regard. So, not surprised. Not surprised. Netherlands are not what they used to be. Yes, they are. Uh, they're not. And uh, well, well, Croatia certainly are. Uh, Luka Modric, what a player! And I don't know where he's going to go, but you know, maybe you end up in uh, Saudi Arabia or somewhere like that. Now, uh, lots of cricket news going on. Terrible, terrible yesterday around uh, Michael Bracewell. I know you would have felt for him, Smithy. That that Achilles news is just awful. Yeah, it's bad, bad for him. It's bad for us. Um, he was becoming a, a really important white ball cricketer. Um, you know, a powerful player and can do everything in the game. So I, I thought he was a given um, in the balance of uh, a side going to India. So uh, how do they replace him? I do not know. I have absolutely no idea if there's a player of the same ilk um, who could be up to speed in time for Michael Bracewell or whether they... Uh, pot around and fill his role um, with a mix of players, but certainly uh, uh, he will be sorely, and I mean sorely missed, and that's a bad pun, very bad. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I don't know who would replace him either, to be honest. Now, sticking with cricket, Major League Cricket, we go through winter period here, well that's where he was playing over in the UK, well, we've got cricketers all around the world, they're dispersed everywhere, uh, and I thought I'd let you know who's playing in the Major League Cricket, after we had another couple of players confirmed yesterday, including Trent Bolt, who's our most high profile freelancer these days, with his casual contract, no holiday pay with New Zealand Cricket, Mumbai Indians New York, so there's a Mumbai Indians New York that Trent Bolt's going to be playing for, uh, the Los Angeles Knight Riders, I mean these names just sound like it's so jarring to hear. 
the Los Angeles Knight Riders, Martin Guptill, he's been picked up, and Lockie Ferguson, obviously he has that connection with the, the people that own the Calcutta Knight Riders. Uh, the Washington Freedom have managed to pick up Adam Milne on his new NZC contract, as well as Glenn Phillips. Washington Freedom's probably about as cliche as you get for an American sports team name. And do you know who Corey Anderson plays for? No, I don't, but he's been there a while. Uh, he's one of the players that have helped set this up. Uh, he's, he's been in America for quite some time. I do not know. I think he married an American uh, woman. Uh, woman. Uh, now, San Francisco, and th- there's a team that used to be in your part of the world. I actually got this wrong in a stumped Smithy question one day. Uh, a rugby league team, which who were known as the... Falcons. No? Unicorns? No, are the Unicorns. San Francisco Unicorns? San Francisco really? Unicorns. Yeah, truly. No, that's, that's not me. I'm not buying one of these shirts, I'm afraid. All right. right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Louis, uh, for your, your sports desk. Um, there's also a White Ferns uh, side that's been announced as well. Um, but uh, details of that to, to come through. Staffy might cover that uh, a little bit later in his show. And we must catch up with him just to confirm uh, what is on. Will he continue the theme we've had or will he go entirely new? Staffy soon.